It's time for Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the show focusing on fishing, hunting, outdoor recreation, destinations, and conservation in the region where you live and play. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lure Company, Sportsman's Warehouse, and Wallowa County. And now, let's see what's going on in the field and on the water with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. If you ask most folks what animal they're most scared of being attacked by in the woods here in the greater Northwest, you'll probably hear the word bear come out of their mouths. But boy, oh boy, you really need to watch out for an angry moose. That proved to be the case on March 9th on the Gibson Jack Trail on Forest Service land south of Pocatello, Idaho. A hiker was out with his dog when a moose charged them from behind. The attack was so sudden, the hiker didn't even know the animal was there until it was right on top of him. That moose stomped the hiker two or three times in the snow before withdrawing and slowly moving away down a creek drainage, keeping its eye on that hiker and dog as they got back to the trailhead and out of there. Fortunately, that hiker only suffered a few injuries. Moose, in case you didn't know, don't do well when startled, and they really, really don't seem to like dogs. So, what do you do if you see a moose at close range? Number one, Keep your distance, at least three car lengths between you and the animal, and never approach a moose, especially a female with her young. If you are recreating with your dog, make sure you maintain control of that pet with a leash and don't allow that pet to chase moose or other wildlife. How do you know if that moose is getting agitated? Well, it'll often start pawing the ground and licking its lips, and if it lowers its ears, a charge is probably coming your way. If that moose charges, run. Try to keep a tree or other object between you and the moose and climb a tree if necessary. Those moose can't climb trees with those hooves of theirs. If you do find yourself on the ground, curl in a ball and do your best to protect your face and your head. Try not to make noise. Moose charge because they perceive you as a threat. If you are curled up on the ground quietly, you will likely appear less threatening. That's exactly what this hiker did. Last but not least... Carry bear spray with you because not only will it work on bears, it might also deter a charging moose. Our thanks to Jennifer Jackson at the Idaho Department of Fish and Game for giving us this information. This week on the show, we are taking you to the Cook Canyon Hunt Club near Ellensburg in central Washington for some private ranch pheasant hunting. Our host for this trip was my friend Mike Carey. He's the man behind Northwest Fishing Reports TV, which not only has a popular website and social media presence, but also a TV show seen on Fox affiliates around the greater Northwest and a magazine available for free at sporting goods stores around Washington State. We'll also talk to Doug Burnett. He and his wife own the Cook Canyon Hunt Club, and he's going to tell you the story of this wonderful place where you can go hunting with your dog from September all the way through March, no license required. In addition to this, we'll talk to well-known outdoors writer and photographer Jason Brooks, another good friend of mine. He is excited about spring turkey hunting, and after hearing his advice about how to go about doing it, I bet you will be too. On top of this, Shelby Ross with Ross Outdoors Adventures is back for an extended Max Minute to help you catch some early spring walleye, and we've got some news stories for you too. So, without further ado, let's get things started and see what David Sparks has for us this week on Sportsman Spotlight. Every year, Chad Hood fishes Alaska, and he does it on a budget. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. We do not have luxuries by any means. To be able to accomplish that means that I... 
don't have a lot of changes of clothes. We don't have even necessarily a lot of creature comforts at camp, but it makes it to where it's affordable and it's manageable. And then, of course, on the back end of the trip, I always try to take fish home with me. And the way that works, a lot of time, I think this is probably a little intimidating to people because they just don't know. But there's no need to be shipping fish down from Alaska. You can make it all happen yourself. And what we do is usually like on a remote trip like that, assuming we got the thumbs up from the pilot that, yeah, our pickup's still good. We'll start keeping fish the day before and then hopefully have enough time the following day that we can collect enough fish to take out from the bush. And so we'll keep fish the morning of any fish that we've caught. I'll fillet up, put them in the plastic bags and then wrap them up in a dry bag. And then when we get into civilization, typically I'll have arranged or figure out a freezer that I can put that fish in. And I have the luxury that usually I smoke all my fish so I don't have to repackage them, but that certainly it wouldn't take much to do it. Get them in a freezer. Usually they'll only get partially frozen. Which is enough to keep the fish until he gets home. Hope you enjoyed Sportsman Spotlight. I'm David Sparks. See you next time. The first 75 days of a potato's life is fragile. It's crucial to be proactive in keeping diseases and pests from devastating your crops. The Bayer family of products provides an agronomic force field around potatoes that helps create a successful harvest and high yield potential. And potatoes love it in here. Because it's not very pleasant outside the force field. Let's go back in. Phew. We should stay here forever, or at least the next 75 days. Learn more at BayerPotato75DayIPM.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions. When it comes to agriculture, anything can happen. And it usually does. At Northwest Farm Credit Services, our business is safeguarding yours. We provide a variety of crop and livestock insurance options. And our agents don't just know insurance, we know farming too. Which means we know what it takes to keep you up and running, even if the unexpected occurs. So if safeguarding your business sounds like a good plan, give us a call. Northwest Farm Credit Services, here to help you grow. Equal opportunity provider and employer, equal housing lender. From well-known saltwater hotspots to hidden alpine lakes, Northwest Fishing Reports, Sundays at 5 p.m. on Q13 Fox. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We are broadcasting from the Cook Canyon Hunt Club near Ellensburg, Washington. I'm a guest here, courtesy of my friend, Mike Carey. He is the man behind Northwest Fishing Reports TV. And before that, NorthwestFishingReports.com. And before that, WashingtonLakes.com. Yes, we've known each other a long time. Mike, thanks for the invite today. Hey, John, it's great to be hunting with you. And uh, boy, we picked a good day to go hunting out here. Oh, we sure did. As you know, out here in Ellensburg, it can be very cold and windy, but temperatures weren't too bad at all today. And thank goodness, no wind. Oh, the wind can be pretty tough, but uh, today is just perfect. Nice light breeze and that's it. Well, I'll tell you what, this was really fun day. It was you and I and Jason Brooks, who you'll be hearing from later in the show, another well-known Northwest Outdoors writer, and your wonderful Springer Spaniel, Duke. He was really flush in the pheasant today. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of Duke. He's a three-year-old Springer Spaniel. I got him as a pup. Never trained a dog before, so it was an interesting journey learning how to train a hunting dog, and he's exceeded my expectations. Well, let's just say Duke 
as a Springer Spaniel hunts a lot better than my George as a Springer Spaniel. That's for darn sure. And I think a lot of it goes into the training, but also just a, a very gentle and obedient dog. Absolutely love this dog. And boy, what a nose. Yeah, yeah, he does. He flushed a lot of birds for us this morning. Now, if only you and I could have hit him a little bit better, that would have been nice. Uh, we did hit a couple. We didn't go home empty-handed, so that part is good. But this is just a fun experience. And, and let's face it, in Washington State, you know, outside of planted birds, either at release sites or at preserve settings like this, it's really tough to find good pheasant hunting anymore. You know, I'll be honest, I have actually never pheasant hunted Washington on the public lands. This and one other uh, hunt club is the only place that I've hunted pheasants. And yeah, it just it's nice to be able to come out and know you've got birds that you can shoot over. And as far as training, you know, that's what you want when you've got a young pup. You want to have those birds to shoot over. Well, I can tell you it, as a kid and as a young man growing up and hunting over in the Columbia Basin of eastern Washington, pheasants were thick and you would get multiple flushes a day. I remember one day we went out, we must have flushed 50 birds, but those days are long gone. I guess pheasant hunting now in eastern Washington on public lands that are not planted is akin to steelhead fishing. If you get one flush, just like steelhead fishing, if you get one bite, you think of it as a good day, and that's not a great situation. No, not really, but you know, it, it is what it is. So as hunters, you've got to find alternatives, and Cook Canyon has been a really nice place to come out and hunt, and my wife likes coming out here. We spend the night and make a weekend of it, so it's been really fun for us. Well, let's shift gears here and talk a, a little bit about the evolution of what you've provided, especially to anglers over the years. When you and I first met back in the late 90s, you had just launched this website called WashingtonLakes.com. And I love that website because it had all these fishing reports and all these feature articles about all the lakes in Washington State that held fish. But man, oh man, you have grown this a whole lot since those days. Why don't you tell our listeners about the evolution of Washington Lakes to where you're at today? Thanks, John. Yeah, it's been pretty humbling and amazing to see the growth over the years and really want to thank people for the support they've given myself. And Washington Lakes grew, of course, into Northwest Fishing Reports, and that evolved into TV. We started producing TV shows shown on Fox throughout Washington and Idaho and Oregon. And now we're expanding even further. We've gone into a print magazine, Real Life Fishing Magazine, as well as a new website in addition to Northwest Fishing Reports. The new site is nwfrtv.com. Well, let's talk about a couple of these new projects that you've worked on. And I want to start off with the new website, nwfrtv.com. How does that differ from NorthwestFisherReports.com? Sure. So the new site is going to be focused much more on the TV show, our YouTube page, and the magazine. You'll be able to find digital versions of the magazine there, as well as the articles that we produce every month for the magazine. We've got a host of great writers, including yourself, of course, John, Jason Brooks, uh, Hannah Pennybaker, uh, Randy Costello, and there's several more. I'm. You can always count on a brain fart when you're trying to remember everybody's names that writes for you, but suffice it to say, you do have a great stable of writers, that's for sure. And I'm far and away not the best by any means. You've got some really good writers with some really good knowledge that contribute on a regular basis, both to the website and to the magazine. The magazine, I was very surprised when you told me, you know, I guess it was about a year ago now, we're going to launch this magazine because so many print publications to include the big ones like Field and Stream, Outdoor Life, 
They've ceased print publications, but you launched this print publication, which is absolutely free of charge and available anywhere that is a licensed dealer for the state of Washington. Correct. Yeah, we perceived that there was a need out there in the fishing community for our approach, which is really family-oriented and not expert-driven. So we like to focus on fishing adventures and articles that help the everyday fishermen. And we don't pretend to be experts in the field. We like to call on the experts in the field, but we try to make it more family-oriented and inclusive. That's the buzzword nowadays. So, Well, but let's face it. Uh, we need to be more inclusive because so many more new people are coming into the sport of angling. And you are seeing a lot more women. You're seeing a lot more people from diverse backgrounds. And this is a great thing. So to have a publication that kind of shows folks the ropes and does it in an easy-to-understand way like the Real Life magazine does, I think it's great. And you can't beat the price point. Again, folks, any sporting goods store is going to have free copies of Northwest Fishing Reports. This comes out, what, 10 times a year? Yes, 10 times a year, the first of each month. And uh, it's over 300 outlets throughout Washington State, a variety of sporting goods stores and outdoor-oriented type stores. So the Bighorn Outdoor Adventure Show, kicks off in Spokane on the 17th, runs through the 20th. I understand that you're going to have a booth there and that you're going to be sharing some big news there as well. We are. So we hope everyone will come out and say hi at the booth. And yeah, we're going to be expanding our business. Uh, We're going to be expanding our reach uh, into Montana and Idaho. So we're going to be traveling to more great places to showcase fishing adventures and places to go fishing. I absolutely love that. I mean, it's it's the model I use on my radio show, covering basically all of the greater Northwest. I love the fact you're going to be doing that on your television show, too. I'd like to say I'm the one that inspired you, but I know better than that. However, I think it's going to be great to get some Montana content, some more Idaho content, because both places are just so rich with fishing opportunities. Oh, absolutely. And I'm certainly looking forward to some of those adventures. And John, I will say, yes, you did inspire me. Your work ethic and watching you grow your business over the years definitely spurred me on to try to grow mine as well. So, And and I can't thank you enough for all the help you've given me over the years. Well, it's been very nice that you and I have been able to help each other have some measure of success in the outdoors media business because it's been very good to both of us. We both love sharing the outdoors with others, and and with any luck, we'll both be doing so for many years to come. In the meantime, folks, check out Northwest Fishery Reports on the Fox Channel near you. You can find it weekends on Fox 13 in Seattle and on Fox 28 in Spokane. What are the other Fox affiliates that Northwest Fishery Reports airs on? We've got uh, Yakima Tri-Cities, that would be Fox 41, and we're also on Joe TV. We're going to be on Root Sport throughout the Pacific Northwest. We're down in Portland as well. So, Plenty of opportunities to check out the television show, and don't forget to check out nwfrtv.com and follow the links to their YouTube channel, get past episodes of the show, and so much more. Mike, thanks again for a great day together here at the Cook Canyon Hunt Club and for sharing your success with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. My pleasure, John. Thanks a lot.
The Bighorn Outdoor Adventure Show is back at the Spokane County Fair and Expo Center. We're celebrating 60 years of the Bighorn Show with entertainment and activities for the whole family. There's an all-new lineup of seminars from top outdoor experts and live music every day. Kids love the Silver Mine, Fishing World, and Reptile Man, and everyone loves Trophy Territory. Check out hundreds of guides, outfitters, and outdoor products for March 17th to 20th. Get your tickets at Ziggy's or search Bighorn Show Spokane online to purchase tickets. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. with more of the great outdoors on Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. It's that time again. It's time for another Extended Max Minute brought to you every week by Max Lure. And with us again is Max Lure Pro Guide Shelby Ross. He's the owner of Ross Outdoor Adventures. Check out his website and book a trip with him at rossoutdooradventures.com. Shelby, great to have you back on the air. John, always great to be with you. A lot of folks are thinking walleye as we transition from winter to spring, and a lot of folks are heading out to reservoirs near them, whether they're in Montana or Washington or Idaho. When it comes to finding walleye on a big lake, where do you look for them after that ice comes off and the water starts to warm a little bit? So the fish will transition. They're pre-spawned, stacking up at the mouths of all of the feeder creeks. That's where they're going to spawn. And so usually right at ice off, they're at the mouths of these in deep, deep water. They'll be 30 to 60 foot deep. As the water temperature warms and the flow in those creeks increases, that'll uh, be their signal to start heading upstream to spawn. So they'll be transitioning from that deep water at the mouth of the creeks up into shallower water. And when it comes to spawning time, are we talking in a lot of these northern reservoirs, April, May, even June? Our lakes around eastern Washington, potholes specifically, the spawn is generally spread out over two full moons, March and April. Some years that bleeds over into May a little bit and makes for tougher fishing in early May, which has been our traditional tournament time. So the, the spawn is split over two full moons, and I think that's Mother Nature's way of not eliminating the whole spawn if a uh, weird deal happens with water level or whatever. But the two full moons, generally March and April, is where that occurs. When they're spawning, they're clearly in very shallow water. How do you target them? either from the bank or from a boat. So the bank opportunities in our area where Crab Creek flows both into Moses Lake as well as where it flows out of Moses Lake into Potholes Reservoir are the two best bank opportunities for walleye fishing that I know of. And the best bite is generally after dark and in very shallow water. And Moses Lake, they're throwing uh, jigs with curly tail plastics on them. And at Potholes, uh, blade baits in the canal are very popular as well. What about boat anglers? Pitching jigs into shallow water, and it's, uh, I don't know, pretty frustrating fishing. The males, the smaller males, they never quit eating. The big females, they're more concerned about spawning than eating, and so it's pretty frustrating. And more than a few times, I've dropped a camera down, and it looks like an aquarium, and you just can't not get those fish to bite, and it's just that time of year. Well, there you go, folks. All sorts of information about spring walleye fishing. Again, if you want to book a trip with Shelby, just go to his website, rossoutdooradventures.com. Thanks as always, Shelby. Always great to be with you, John. Thank you. I'm Bob Loomis, and I fish for walleye. Sometimes when I'm out on the water, I feel like a destroyer captain hunting for targets with my electronics. I'm not hunting submarines, though. I'm hunting fish, and when I find that big one on the fish finder, I want to make sure she's going to bite. 
That's where the Smile Blade Slow Death Rig from Max Lure comes in. The Smile Blade spins and flashes at ultra-slow speeds, and the one-of-a-kind red hook keeps that bait moving in a way the fish can't resist. It's the Smile Blade Slow Death Rig, only from Max Lure. Public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We continue to broadcast from the Cook Canyon Hunt Club near Ellensburg, Washington. It's owned by Doug and Alice Burnett, and I've got the opportunity to talk to Doug right now. Doug, had a fun day out there. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad you had a good time. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit, before we talk about your hunt club in particular, let's talk about hunt clubs in general and what they offer people who want to go pheasant hunting and, and bird dog owners too. Well, this day and age, wild birds are getting pretty scarce due to farming practices and all kinds of other environmental stuff. But we provide a safe environment in uh, controlled areas for people that want to train their dogs, come hunt with their families and friends, and and just have a good time and actually be successful finding some birds. So, You know, I, I really like how this is set up i i was expecting to be honest uh you know a little 160 acre field and there'd be all sorts of people wandering around or we'd only be able to hunt it for two hours and that's it but not that way at all i mean you have your own little area that's over a hundred acres you're not going to see other hunters out there and i like the terrain too you've got draws you've got hills it's not just a flat field with some sagebrush or some corn i mean you're hunting. Yeah, we have quite a variety of fields. We have approximately a thousand acres that we lease, and it's broken up into 10 different areas, approximately 80 to 100 acres. Some of it is orchard grass with ditch rows and tree rows and cattails, easy walking for people that don't like uneven terrain. And we also have areas with sagebrush, bitterbrush, rosehip patches, grass, bits of draws, creeks, and some ponds in some of the areas for training. And so it's quite a variety of areas to hunt. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll definitely be back with my Springer Spaniel uh, because you're right. It's just really hard, especially in eastern Washington, and we've talked about this before, folks, to get out there and have a good day with a dog. I mean, you've got the, the pheasant releases that happen at state wildlife areas, but that's that's like combat hunting compared to this. Yeah, that's true, and that's one of the reasons why our, our club has grown and been very successful, and it's because we provide a safer environment without all that, that hassle of having to run out in a field with loaded guns, and, you know, and it's it's not good for kids to be involved, uh, you know, in that type of, that's not what hunting's about. No, no, it's, you're absolutely right about that. So let's talk about becoming a member of the Cook Canyon Hunt Club and what a membership looks like. Okay, well, we are actually uh, a nonprofit dog training hunt club. That's how it was established back in the 90s by Ed and Jeannie Nestler, the original presidents of the club. And my wife and I, Alice, took the club over in 2005. They retired and, and were tired of doing it anymore. And we moved the operation from north of Kittitas to north of Ellensburg. And we run the operation out of, out of our place. To be a member, we have pretty much an unlimited membership. You become a member of the club, and then you just 
Call and make an appointment, buy bird packages uh, for a half-day hunt or a full-day hunt. You can bring friends and family with you and just enjoy the day. And um, We don't put anything out in the fields until the the members are here in the field and then somebody will meet them with a, a quad runner and a, a crate of birds and ask them the skill levels of the hunters, the levels of their dogs, and that type of stuff. And we can do some things to help help them be more successful by marking birds where we put them and, and that type of stuff to help them along. Well, you know, we were hunting today with, you know, a dog that's still getting some experience. And so we did mark some of the locations where they were planted, not all of them. You know, you, you knew had a general idea where some of the birds were planted, but folks, the, the birds often move. Just because they were planted there doesn't mean they're going to be there by the time you get to them. But that is helpful. And I understand you'll even hobble them for, you know, dogs that are just starting out so they can be sure to get that flush. Yeah, we try to do everything to help the, the hunter and the, the dog be successful in the field. And hobbling is just basically tying their feet a couple inches apart with a piece of yarn so they just can't put on their sprinters and run. You know, this is pretty dry ground over here. The birds don't leave a lot of scent trails on the ground when it's so dry. So it helps the birds stay. They, I've had birds hobble, even move, you know, 200 yards on a, on a windy day. You know, all the brush moves around them. But we do things like that to help our clients be successful. And I like the fact that, you know, as a member, you can bring guests, and you're not charging per gun, you're charging by the bird. That's correct. We sell a bird package for a half-day hunt. If you buy five roosters, you can have six guys hunt them. It just means somebody's going home empty-handed. <laughs> well, that would be true. I mean, that's not a lot of sport, uh, but that's, for example, some of the shooting preserves that are out there in Washington require so much money per gun to go into the field. And we try to do more of a volume thing, a family-friendly thing, where it's not quite so expensive to come here and do this sport anymore. How much does an annual membership cost? How many guests can you bring? An annual membership, our season runs from September 1st through the end of March, as long as the birds hold out. <laughs> but uh, you can bring as many guests as you like. One package of birds is a requirement, and you also have to have a dog in the field. That's how we're established with the Nonprofit Dog Training Hunt Club. You can't just walk out there and, and look for birds and, and try to hunt them. Though I think it is important to note, uh, you don't always get all your birds. For example, we left a few in the area and then there's going to be some hunters this afternoon that are going to have a shot at some extra birds aren't they that's true yeah it's uh some people you know i've had members come in and they buy five five birds and come back with 10 you know and a lot of guys would like to come here on a monday after a busy weekend and in specific areas tend to hold some of our, our holdovers a little bit longer so if the hawks and the coyotes don't get them but oh so. yes those darn hawks and coyotes and i also noticed you have some even some bald eagles that have taken up residence and i'm pretty sure they like those pheasants too oh yeah yeah you know the the eagles migrate into the kittitas valley here mainly for uh the calving of the cows they 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 actually eat the afterbirth and they're here but they've actually figured out that they can have chuckers and pheasants as well <laughs> and so we have a few <laughs> resident ones and i've had guys come up and say i shot a bird and it went down in the middle of the field and and an eagle beat my dog to it you know and it's like and i said well don't get upset where are you going to see that in nature right there you go there you go all right if folks want to find out more about the cook canyon hunt club what's the website they should go to cookcanyon.com is the website and that's cook with an e on the end folks cookcanyon.com that's the website to go to again the season's open until march 31st though i should ask 
Do you even have any openings left for people who want to join and come out to hunt before the season ends? Yes, we do. And and this time of year, because our membership, it's $150 to become a member. Anybody that joins this time of year, we carry that membership over for the whole next season. So, Oh, that's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. We've got about a minute left. There's one other thing I want to talk about. You breed hunting dogs here, too. That's correct. We breed labs, English setters, English pointers, German wire hairs, and occasionally some German short hairs. We're a full-time dog training service as well. We do hunt test training for just fun stuff to do in the off-season, you know, working with the dogs and training and to show that our dogs are trainable up to... We have several master hunters, and it's no easy task getting a dog through master. So just to show people that we know how to train and, and our dogs are capable of doing the tasks. All right. Well, if you have a dog and want to go hunting, this is a great place to come. If you're looking for a dog, Doug Burnett is a person to contact. If you've got a dog that needs training, God knows mine does, Doug Burnett would also be a good person to contact. And the place to do all three is through the website, cookcanyon.com. That's cook with an E, cookcanyon.com. Doug, thanks for showing us a great time today, and thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. All right. Thank you very much for coming. It takes a mass of people to keep this stuff going, so we're going to do it as long as we can because we really enjoy doing what we're doing. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. We continue to broadcast from the Cook Canyon Hunt Club in Ellensburg, and I get to chat with my good friend Jason Brooks, very well-known outdoors writer here in the Northwest. Jason, great to have you along today. Great to be here, John. Thank you so much. Well, it was a fun day, and you certainly got uh, your share of laughs at me as I was missing pheasant right and left, and just grateful we didn't get skunked in the end, by God. that was, Yeah, it was it was quite an enjoyable morning, me watching you miss. I mean, uh, uh, hunt. Well, I wish you, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, much better luck this afternoon when you head out there with the shotgun instead of the camera, and I expect to see pictures, and if I don't, I'll be posting about it on Facebook. In the meantime, you know, we're sitting here in the middle of March, and April 1st, 
youth turkey opener in Washington, and actually turkey season is going to be opening up in April in many places in the Northwest. So let's talk a little bit of turkey because you've got an article coming out in Northwest Sportsman Magazine about it. Yeah, you know, it's my favorite time of year. I actually love turkey hunting. We, my son and I started doing it about five years ago, and now we hunt two different states. We hunt Washington and Idaho. Both of them offer a fantastic youth season, so does Oregon, and even throughout the, the entire four, uh, 48 states. Sorry, I stuttered there because I get so excited about turkeys. But, you know, the continental United States, there's turkeys in all 48. Um, in fact, there's turkeys in Hawaii, so it's 49 states have turkeys. But the thing about it is there's so much fun to hunt, and they're great for kids, and kids are up first. You said mentioned April 1st for Washington. This is the first year they're going through a full week, so they get a full week of turkey hunting. In Idaho, they actually get the week before the general. So my son and I go over there first. He's only 16, and in Idaho, it's up to age 17, ah. whereas in Washington, it's only up to age 15. And then we use it as a scouting time for the rest of us, and he gets to hunt. But if you've never turkey hunted, now's the time to start. Let's talk about this, especially for the people who don't have a lot of experience turkey hunting. Let's start off with trying to figure out where to go in this day and age of Google Maps and Onyx and everything else. If you pretty much go to any public land in northeast Washington and northern Idaho, you're going to find turkeys. But they're also throughout the state. And in Oregon, they're all out the Willamette Valley and a lot of eastern Oregon as well. In Washington, we have three subspecies of turkeys. Uh, the very small population of easterns over in western Washington, they're the hardest birds to find. Good population of rios uh, sprinkled throughout the southwest and then miriams all throughout eastern Washington. Same with Idaho. They got rios and miriams. The biggest thing is to call a biologist and look at what some of the damage reports are. People either love turkeys or they hate turkeys, and the majority of people actually hate the turkeys. If they have hobby farms, the, the turkeys come in and they scratch up their hay and they, they crap on their hay, right. and that makes it where they can't give it to their feed animals. So the, the farmers, the alfalfa farmers, really don't like the turkeys. So knock on some doors, you're probably going to get permission to hunt turkeys. Okay, let's talk about the call. There are several different calls that you can get when it comes to turkey calling. For the beginner, what do you recommend? A slate call, a box call, or something else? Well, I've got a call that my son actually won't let me use anymore because he said it's too easy. It's almost cheating. And I just sent one to my hunting partner who lives over in Wenatchee this last week. He's getting into it pretty big. And it's called a push pull. And it's literally a little box, and you push this wooden dowel down, and it can, you can do uh, hand yelps, you can do some purrs, you can do some clucks. Super simple. Start with the push pull, and then work your way to the box call. Mouth calls are really hard to, to do. If you're an elk hunter, you might be able to transition over to the mouth call, but really the, the box call would be next, and then the pot and peg, which is the slate, the round slate, and the wooden dowel. The problem with the box call and the, the pot and peg is it takes two hands. Whereas the push pull, it's one hand operates. You could have, you could literally be holding onto your shotgun and calling turkeys at the same time. So if they get in close, you can do some purrs in there, calm them down, and those toms will come in and, and you've got them. Real easy to do. When it comes to hunting location, are you the sort of guy that just hunkers up against a tree or do you have like a portable blind? I actually move a lot. So I go out and I seek and find the birds. So I'll go to an area where I know there's birds. And it's real easy to find areas with birds, meaning that once you get there and you start looking around for the sign, their tracks and their scat, they're really messy bird. So you'll get in there. You don't actually have to even see turkeys to know you're in where turkeys are. Then you do some locator calls. You do some hen yelps, and then you get the gobble to come back, and I start working the bird. So I don't use a blind. Uh, I'll take some burlap with me, and I'll actually make a blind, or I'll just literally crawl up underneath a tree. I'm the type of guy who likes to keep moving. I can't sit in one spot. So 
So I'll literally go after the bird, get in close, and then sit, stay stationary. I have decoys with me. I'll deploy those and then bring the bird in. It's it's a very, very dynamic way to hunt. It's not slow. If you can get into where there's birds, it's a very fun way to hunt. It's because they're gobbling at you. You're trying to work that bird into in back. The hens might be trying to pull the tom away. It's real interactive. Are you the opinion that it's best to try to find out where those turkeys are roosting and then be set up in that area in the morning for when they come down? Or are you just going to the general area and using your calls to figure out where they are and basically spot and stalking them or calling them in from there? Yeah, I, I don't like to prefer the spot and stalk, um, mostly because you push a lot of birds away, and you also start running to a lot of hunters doing that. I want those birds to come to me, so it's more of a controlled environment, but absolutely find the roost trees. That is key. If you want to find birds and be successful, go out the evening before, do some owl hoots, locate those birds that are real vocal, just as the sun's going down, and then same thing in the morning, the first half hour of daylight. We're talking like before you can actually see. You just see that the, the tree starting to light up on the hillside. Start doing some hoots and some crow calls and those gobblers will start yakking at you they start you know gobbling and those hens will start clucking and now you've got them now it's the time to set up and then work the birds to you that's some great advice folks uh let's go ahead and shift gears what other articles do you have coming out this spring well, in the next issue of Western Hunting Journal, it's going to be the youth issue. And with that one, actually, I think it's on two issues. But I've got an article coming out on how to pick the perfect youth rifle. And a lot of times when we first start hunting, we just get a hand-me-down. You know, you use dad's rifle or grandpa's rifle. And if you ever see a kid trying to shoot with those rifles, and it's all cattywampus is the, is the term I use. Their arms are fully extended. Their head's kicked way over. They can't see. Now, they can't see the deer. They can't see the elk. They can't see the animal. That's because the rifle doesn't properly fit them. So the article's about finding a proper fit for that youth, not finding necessarily the right caliber or action. I do discuss those, but really it's how to fit a rifle to the shooter. And even with women and small frame shooters nowadays, there's a lot of rifles on the market. So it's a great article, not just for somebody looking for youth, but also if you have a small frame shooter, read the article and learn how to fit a rifle to the shooter. All right. You'll find that in the Western Hunting Journal. And as we said, you can find out all about turkey hunting in the next edition of Northwest Sportsman Magazine. Look forward to a newsstand near you. You can also subscribe to both these publications. Just Google Northwest Sportsman Magazine or the Western Hunting Journal. And keep an eye out for other articles that Jason is writing as well. He's a very prolific writer and a very good one, too. Jason, really enjoyed our day today, and I wish you luck on the hunt you're going to have this afternoon. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafoods. And guess what? They've got wild Alaskan tanner crab, also called bear dye snow crab, sustainably caught in pots in Prince William Sound, available for sale. They'll deliver them right to your door. Tanner crab is the very sweetest of all the snow crab species. It's characterized by a sweet, rich, succulent flavor. They are similar to Opelio snow crab, but larger with a better fill of meat. Tanner crab legs are also easier to handle than king crab legs. Its smooth shell is easy to break and maneuver. Now, a tanner crab cluster will cost $75. It includes three legs and one claw on the shell. It's going to weigh 10 to 14 ounces, perfect size for a meal. And they're actually pre-cooked individually frozen, ready to crack and eat right away. You can eat it cold, or if you want to heat it up, just bake it, steam it, or barbecue it at 325 for four minutes. You're going to absolutely love Tanner Crab from Cena Sea Seafoods. If you want to order it, go to their website. You'll find it at Cena Sea, that's spelled S-E-N-A, 
S-E-A-C-N-A-C.com. Cena.com, that's the website to go to. And, and don't forget to use the promo code Outdoors Radio when you order for 10% off your purchase. Next, we've got a news item for you from the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. We learn Governor Brad Little has submitted a petition to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to remove grizzly bears in the lower 48 United States from the Endangered Species Act and recognize state successful efforts to recover and manage grizzly populations. Governor Little argues delisting is an important and long overdue recognition of these major roles that Idaho and its neighboring states in Montana, Wyoming, and Washington have played in grizzly bear recovery by growing the population from a few hundred bears in 1975 to currently over 2,000 bears across four states. Grizzlies in the U.S. and Canada altogether now number around 60,000 bears. In the press release, it's also pointed out that the goalposts have been moving a lot from the original federal 1993 plan to recover and delist grizzly bears. That goalpost shifting a result of court cases and federal administrative changes. Will the petition have any effect? Well, maybe not by itself, but coupled with the continued growth of grizzly bear populations in our region, it might move the needle a little towards the decision in the future and let the states manage these bears instead of the feds. Stick around, your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week is coming up, along with some suggestions on what to do outside in the week ahead. Come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. The Bighorn Outdoor Adventure Show is back at the Spokane County Fair and Expo Center. We're celebrating 60 years of the Bighorn Show with entertainment and activities for the whole family. There's an all-new lineup of seminars from top outdoor experts and live music every day. Kids love the Silver Mine, Fishing World, and Reptile Man, and everyone loves Trophy Territory. Check out hundreds of guides, outfitters, and outdoor products from March 17th to 20th. Get your tickets at Ziggy's or search Bighorn Show Spokane online to purchase tickets. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. We've got time for one more shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. Welcome back. It's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse trivia question of the week. It's about the biggest hot spring you'll find in the USA. Rich in colors, it measures 250 feet by 300 feet and is actually the third largest hot spring in the world. You'll find this hot spring in 
Yellowstone National Park, where thousands of people come to see it every year. Here's your question. What's the name of this huge hot spring? If you know the answer, you know what to do. Go to our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. If you don't do Facebook, that's okay. Just contact us through our website. Shoot us an email through northwesternoutdoors.com and let us know the name of the biggest hot spring you'll find in the United States. One lucky person who guesses right wins that $25 gift card that we give away every week from Sportsman's Warehouse. Before we go, let's talk about some things to do in the week ahead. The Bighorn Outdoor Adventure Show continues this weekend through Sunday at the Spokane Fair and Event Center. And it really is nice to have this show back after a two-year absence. There's several hundred exhibitors there, lots of seminars, and a whole lot of activities for the kids, too. If you want to get out in the woods, it's a great time to go shed antler hunting where it's legal to do so. And it's also time to start scouting for turkey because that spring turkey hunting season, as you heard from Jason Brooks, is coming up quick. As for fishing, you've got all sorts of options. There's stock trout in western Oregon, eastern Washington, southwest and southeast Idaho to catch. There's Chinook salmon off of CQ at the northwest end of the Olympic Peninsula. They've been on the bite. Steelhead are also on the bite on a number of western Oregon rivers. And walleye have been biting as well from the Columbia River Gorge to the Tri-Cities and up at Lake Roosevelt in northeast Washington. Finally, if you're into ice fishing, that's still an option too at a number of lakes for perch in particular in Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming. We've got to go on that note, but until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. Outdoors.